Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. I hope you're all having a a great day and a wonderful week. And if this is your first episode tuning in, uh, we are in a the first couple. This is episode three of our new season of Thursday Thoughts, where we have been talking about First John so far. Um, we are now in First John chapter two, and the the reason we're studying First John is that First John in particular. Uh, we'll also look at Second and Third John before the end of this season, but First John in particular is a really unique epistle by the Apostle John, where, where we can see what the true identifying marks of a Christian are. What does a Christian actually look like? What does a Christian actually do? Uh, what is their? How do they live? What is their conduct like? And so, First John is a great one of that. First John is a great way to be reminded of the simple things that we're supposed to do. It should be an encouragement to us that if we live according to uh, the teachings of Jesus, then we can be confident in our salvation, and we can know that we have eternal life, especially as we get toward the end of First John, we'll see that. And so, with all that being said, we are now in our third week of our First John series, uh, or really I should say our, our John series, First, Second, and Third John. And the first week we, we, we discussed chapter one about how we need to walk in the light and not in darkness, and that even wa- walking in the light does not mean that you don't have sin, but it means that you confess your sin and that God is faithful to forgive us. And last week we looked at the beginning of chapter two about how Jesus is our advocate, uh, but if we are going to know Jesus, we have to obey his commandments. Because if we say that we know him and don't keep his commandments, then we are a liar and the truth is not in us. And so that is what is leading us up to where we are now. Today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. But before we, we jump into reading our text for our episode today, I want to share a story with you I found from USA Today uh, magazine. Tom Cratenmaker uh, is the guy who wrote and kind of went and researched and wrote this article from USA Today. It was in an article titled, A Witness to What Faith Can Be, and it was published on December 18th, 2006, so it's you know a little while ago, um, but the story still is really good, and it applies a lot to what our text talks about today. So let me share the story with you from the article. On Friday nights, volunteers from Bridgetown Ministries help the homeless people gathered under the uh, Burnside Bridge in Portland, Oregon. In addition to providing hot meals, shaves, and haircuts, some of the volunteers wash the homeless people's feet. Tom Cratenmaker, uh a writer for USA Today was stunned when he saw that, calling it one of the most audacious acts of compassion and humility I have ever witnessed. This group of society's outcasts had their bare feet immersed in warm water, scrubbed, dried, powdered, and placed in clean socks. One man reported with a smile, I can't find the words to describe how good that felt. Creighton Maker later wrote, Washing someone's feet is an act best performed while kneeling. Given the washer's position and the unpleasant appearance and odor of a homeless person's feet, it's hard to imagine an act more humbling. The leader of Bridgetown Ministries, 
prepares volunteers for this ministry by saying, when you go out there tonight, I want you to look for Jesus. You might see him in the eyes of a drunk person, a homeless person. It doesn't matter. We're just out there to love on people. And so now that'll lead us perfectly into our text, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. So we remember the key verse of that, or the key part of that story I just told you, the whole point of that Bridgetown ministry doing what they were doing is because they're just trying to love on people. And so now let's see what John has to say in verse 7 through 14 of 1 John chapter 2. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So let's introduce this text here. So John now applies uh, to professing Christians his second test, which is not moral, but social. As he is about to write of brotherly love, he appropriately addresses his people as the his listeners as agapatoi or literally beloved in urging them to love one another he urge, he assures them of his own love for them he has been writing about the christian obligation to keep god's commandments we read that in chapter 2 verses 3 through 4 last week he now singles out one of them which in one sense is an old commandment verse 7 but is in another sense a new commandment verse And we'll get into that discussion here in a minute. This passage of 1 John is the second test of life that involves loving one another. Indeed, God's commands can be summed up in the one commandment to to love. It formed the heart of the law and thus embodied an ancient principle. But Jesus' coming had taken God's love to a whole new level and thus proves even more the crucialness for Christian fellowship. It's important for us to remember what Jesus says in uh, Matthew chapter 22 is one uh, record of it, uh, where Jesus, you know, someone asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is, and Jesus says, he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes on to say the second command is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments stand all the law and the prophets. And so without love, we can't be a Christian. And so... Uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but that's why John says that, you know, if you don't love your brother, that obviously means you hate him, and if you hate him, you're walking in darkness, and walking in darkness means that you're lost. We need to walk in the light as he is in the light. 
And so let's start breaking this passage down. So 1 John 2, 7 fills in the details as to how Jesus walked. If you remember, we ended last week in verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him, being Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so now verse 7 fills in details as how Jesus walked. What did he do? He loved others. That is why John can say on the one hand that love is a new commandment because loving one another goes back to Jesus and even all the way back to the old law. But on the other hand, the commandment to love one another is a new commandment in the sense that Jesus' death and resurrection inaugurated the age to come or aka the kingdom of God. And the command to love is new in that it is a key sign of the new covenant. Uh, You can go read a little bit more about that in John chapter 13. 1 John chapter 2 verse 8 furthers this uh, eschatological aspect of the new command to love by announcing that God's light or righteousness has already dawned and is dispelling darkness or sinfulness. The commandment is old in that it has been proclaimed to John's audience since they first heard the gospel and since it was given to Moses as part of the law, right? That's why Jesus answered the way he does in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. But it is new in that it is now the integral, it's integral to the message of Jesus. It is viewed in a new light. The commandment is not just to love one another, but to love as Christ loved, even to the point of being willing to lay down one's life. If Jesus is the light, and John has already argued that he is, then to love as Jesus loved, loved, would be to shine in the lives of others with the light of Jesus' love. Therefore, if we do not love, darkness is taking over, a.k.a. sin is taking over. That's, you know, this word agape, this, this word for love, we call it the God, it's, it's God's love. When God says in 1 John chapter 4, we'll get to it in a few weeks, when God says that he is love, he uses that, the Greek term agape is used, And, you know, it's a selfless, sacrificial type of love. And so Jesus isn't just calling you to, you know, like, love people because they do nice things for you, but Jesus is calling us to a sacrificial, selfless kind of love. And and so that's what John is saying. If we don't have that kind of love, then we're not walking in darkness. And that means that we hate our brother, which is wrong. And so now, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 that we read, uh, let's break that down. I hope you have your Bibles out as we go through these texts, because after I read it through once, I'm not going to go back and read it again. I'm just going to give you the verses we're talking about. So you can go back and look at those verses as I'm talking about them and kind of see what I'm explaining. And so 1 John 2, 9 through 11, John now shows that Jesus Christ, the true light, is the light of love, and that therefore to be or to live, or to walk in the light, is to walk in love. Light and love go together, just like darkness and hatred go together. In verses 3 through 6 that we in of chapter 2 that we read last week, the general principle preceded the specific example. Here the example comes first. Apparently, if you go back to earlier episodes, and uh, you can see kind of what I was talking about, about these Gnostic believers that John was uh, confronting, Apparently, these Gnostics claimed, uh, their claim was uh, a claim basically to achieve as much enlightenment as possible, to possess knowledge of God over 
basically obedience, uh, and the falsity of their claim to be in the light was betrayed not now by disobedience as it was in earlier in chapter 2, but now by hatred. The true Christian who knows God and walks in the light both obeys God and loves his brother. The genuineness of his faith is seen in his righteous relation to both God and his fellow human beings. So last week, uh, the early ver- the first uh, six verses of 1 John chapter 2, John is confronting these false teachers and these false Christians, these Gnostics, by saying, you know, you can't say you know God and not obey his commandments. And now he's giving a second argument and saying, you know, you can't say that you walk in the light while you hate your brother. You have to love people the way Jesus did. And so we see a second reason. So if we're going to be true Christians, not only do we need to obey God and have a good relationship with God, but we have to love the people around us and love God's people and be kind in dealing with them. And then 1 John 2, 12 through 14, it seems kind of like a, a weird pause in John's kind of argument against Gnostic teaching, but, you know, John has abruptly concluded his exposition of his second test, and, you know, I don't think, he, he doesn't mean to give his readers his the impression that he thinks they are in darkness, or that he doubts the reality of their Christian faith. It's the false teachers who he regards as, uh, you know, unfaithful, not the loyal members of the church. So he digresses in verses 12 through 14 to remind his, his readers, the faithful Christians, uh, of his view of their Christian standing, right? His purpose in writing is as much to confirm the right assurance of genuine Christians as to rob the counterfeit of, their, of the Gnostics' false assurance. And so, basically, he's trying to, in verses 12 through 14, he's trying to reassure the genuine Christians that they are in the new age all right, you know, that they're okay, and they're enjoying the forgiveness and the knowledge of God uh, and the power to overcome, which has been prophesied of the new covenant. And then he's confronting Gnostic believers, and so as people read this, you know, they would either be reassured or convicted by what the Apostle John is saying. And same for us today, when we read this, uh, uh, this epistle of 1 John, we can either be encouraged that we are living faithfully the way a real Christian should, or we will be convicted and see that, man, I'm not obeying God's commandments like I should. I'm not walking in love and in the light like I should. And so that's what the Bible does, right? Believers share in Christ's victory on the cross, which defeated Satan. And John expresses great confidence in his readers as he reminds them of their vital relationship with God. And so again, we see as Christians today, if we are living According to the teachings of Jesus, if we're walking in the light as he is in the light and loving our neighbor as ourself, then we could be confident of our salvation. Just as John was writing to ensure that these Christians understand that they have overcome with the power, the power of Christ, we too should remember that if we are truly walking in the light, we too can have the same confidence that we too can overcome sin and this world. The Christian life then is not just enjoying the forgiveness and the fellowship of God, but it's also fighting the enemy. The forgiveness of the past sins must be followed by deliverance from sin's present power. Justification by sanctification. In other words, faith and works go together, right? You don't just say that you become a Christian, you know, you don't just become a Christian and then go back to living whatever life you want. No, when you become a Christian, you're supposed to change 
the the old has passed away and the new has come. Um, as Paul says in Romans 6, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Right? We have to die to our will and die to our way and live for God. So in conclusion, you know, these verses, we learn how Christian love is affected by light and darkness, right? If we're not walking in the light, then we're not going to be as loving as we should. But if we're walking in the light, then that means we have the love of Christ and we're loving people. A Christian who is walking in, in the light, which means that they're obeying God, is going to love the people around them. They're going to have this agape, sacrificial, selfless love to people around them and not think about themselves all the time, but think about others. If we are walking in the light, we have the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. We can have confidence that our sins are forgiven. Does it mean that you're going to be perfect? No. We've already discussed that in previous weeks in 1 John. Another thing that we can draw from this text is that we have overcome through Christ. We have overcome the evil one as well as death. And that only comes by living faithfully and by receiving Jesus Christ's salvation. And so some questions that, you know, always pop into my head when I go through this passage is, you know, how is love a new and an old commandment? Well, love is old. We've kind of already touched on it. You know, it's old as in like it's been a commandment that we've supposed to have done for a long time now, right? To love people, to treat people with kindness and respect, to treat them the way we would want to be treated. But it's a new commandment because Jesus has come, he's come and expounded upon it. And he's expanded what love really means and how it's sacrificial. And it means that you put everyone else above you. And, you know, that's how it's new. You know, and what is Christian love? Well, it's selfless, right? We've talked about that. It's selfless. It's thinking about others over yourself. Jesus embodied it perfectly where while he was here, he saw to the needs of the poor and the needy, uh, to sinners and to people who needed love. And he gave his own life for it. And so... I think it's interesting, too, you know, how many groups does John refer to in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, right? He says, so little children is one, fathers is another, and young men is another. And I think he's basically pointing out the, the different age groups of the church, right? You have older people, you have children, and then you have the younger adult people. Um, and so... I think John is just giving a kind of like a full scope of the church saying that that he's referring to it to kind of encourage that the whole church, you know, is is in a good standing. I think that's why John mentions that and he mentions it to cover all groups of the Christians in the church. And so I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, and how can we be sure that we have assurance of forgiven sins? You know, how can we be sure that I am a true Christian and that I'm living the life I'm supposed to and that I have Jesus' salvation and I've received God's grace and mercy? Well, as John says, you can know by walking in the light as he is in the light, which means obeying his commandments, and by loving the people around you. It's that simple. You know, some of God's commandments may be, you know, particularly challenging. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not hard to do all the time, but it's pretty simple to know if you're living the faithful life, if you're obeying what God says, and if you have love in your heart and love in your life. And the true light is already shining because Jesus came and died 
and we, we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we see the beginning of God's kingdom, right? The church is kind of like a foreshadowing of what the kingdom of God is going to look like and what it should be like. And it's kind of like that already not yet language that we hear all the time, right? We see that in verse 10 where, uh, I think it's verse 10, or no, excuse me, it's verse 8. In verse 8, at the same time, a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The true light is Jesus Christ. It's already shining, um, but it will be fulfilled when Jesus comes again and whenever the new heavens and the new earth are created and then when the kingdom of God truly comes to its fullest extent. And so as we conclude this episode of Thursday Thoughts, I hope what we I hope what you and me can see is that love is so important to the life of a Christian. To walk in the same manner in which Jesus walked means to love others because Jesus loved others. We read that story about that uh that the writer from the USA Today wrote about this mission group in Portland, this church group that was doing this outreach to homeless people. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is, how can we show God's love more to the world around us? How can we be more loving to the people in our lives? Can we go out in our communities to show people who don't really get a lot of love, love? What ways can we show our families more love? Which way can we be more loving to our church family? Uh, You'd be amazed. Sometimes the church itself is a place that doesn't seem to be full of that much love. And so we have to make sure as Christians and as churches that we are being loving. Because after all, if we're going to walk in the light, we have to walk in love. And what does that mean? Love the way that Jesus loved. That's what John means whenever he says that we need to love. We need to love the way that Jesus loves. And so the question for us to ask today, you know, uh, I hope at the end of each episode we can eat, we are either being reaffirmed that we're doing the things that the scriptures are telling us, or hopefully uh, that we can be convicted. Being convicted is a good thing. I'm convicted often when I read my Bible and I see things that I should be doing. It's a good thing to be convicted. Um, I don't remember exactly which proverb it is, but uh, of one of the a verse in Proverbs talks about how God's word kind of goads us along. A goad is like a cattle instrument that kind of pokes and prods us on the way we're supposed to go. It's how you keep, uh, back in those days, you keep the oxen pulling the like the farm equipment the right way. And so God's word kind of pokes us sometimes, and getting poked's a little painful, but it keeps you going the way you're supposed to go, and it saves you from you know walking off into a ditch and getting a lot more hurt and losing your crops or so on and so forth. And so God's word is supposed to convict us and poke us and goad us to doing the right thing. And so I hope at the end of each episode, uh, we can either be encouraged that we're walking in the light or doing the things that the scriptures are telling us to, or that we can be convicted and we can be motivated to live more faithfully and to get back on the right path that leads to eternal life. So I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode found you well. I hope you all have a great day. And again, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Thank you guys so much for everything. God bless.